Welcome to the Church Podcast, talking all things ministry so you can do church better. I'm your co-host, Chris Wesley, joined by the lovely John Ronaldo. John, how are you doing uh, this fine morning? I'm good. I'm good. I'm I'm recording from sunny Missouri right now, so uh, doing a little travel for some of the work I do with Parish Success Group. So I'm over here in in Jefferson City, Missouri, working with some parishes out here in the diocese, and it's fun. This diocese is really excited about uh, looking at doing things a little bit differently. They have a really awesome bishop, Bishop uh, McKnight, and so it's it's fun to be traveling and working with uh, parishes and dioceses who who get it, who want to do things a little differently. And uh, so I'm having a good time out here right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, yeah, it's rainy here in Baltimore, but, um, you know, sunny in Missouri uh, sounds fantastic uh, about now. Um, you know, it, it's interesting because you've been with the Jefferson City Diocese for what now, over a year or almost a year? Uh, over a year now, yeah, we we're starting uh, year two of our process here. Which we work with parishes in a cohort model, uh, and so I'm working with we work with six parishes last year, uh, meeting with them a handful of times over the course of the year, and now we are meeting with another five parishes, uh, and it's great because uh, you know we came in did a couple of presentations with all the priests and deacons, and then you know the parishes self-select and they're like we want to be part of this, and so. Uh, so I got five more parishes we're working uh, with right now, and I'll meet with them uh, quite a few times over the course of the next year, really looking at helping them grow. So what is it that they do? What do they want to do? What are their goals? What are their priorities? And, and how do we get there? Uh, and so that's what we're walking through with them in this cohort model. And it's really interesting here to do it in a little bit more rural America um, because it's different than working in a suburban or, or urban setting, you know, a lot, a lot more volunteers, uh, a lot less staff, but passion is there and that's what's really cool it's like you see the passion in the people that 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 want it they want it and it's not just up to the pastor but you they've got this team of volunteers who are just willing to do what it takes because they love their church you know it's interesting uh, that you mentioned kind of like the the difference that there's a lot more volunteers and not as much staff and um you know with our parish uh well when this uh this airs um we'll have just had our ministry fair weekend and I, you know, I'm sure you hear this too, John. Um, everywhere I go, uh, when I talk to different churches or youth ministers, the one of the biggest needs that they need is is more people, right? More people to volunteer, more people to uh, jump in and serve. And whether it's volunteers or staff, when you have more people, it can be a blessing. But then it can also be a little overwhelming because. Um, you know, one of the first questions people ask is, I don't know what to do with all of them, right? Or I don't know how to best use people's gifts and talents. It's this kind of weird paradigm where when we don't have volunteers, we know we need them. But then when we do have them, uh, we kind of panic because it's not necessarily clear um, how we can best use them. And it's, it's not just the case with volunteers, but also with staff. Um, I remember for years at Nativity just wanting, a, you know, an assistant youth minister or someone else to help me with youth ministry. And finally, you know, uh, Father White uh, said, like, hey, we have in the budget to hire someone. Um, you know, who do you want to hire? And we did an interview process for a part time person. And I hired a coordinator of small groups for youth ministry. A couple of months, you know, into it, uh, he was totally talented, but it was definitely not the right position. Right. Like. Being a coordinator of small groups is something that was great, but I needed someone who's going to more focus on middle school ministry or high school ministry, and I would take the other. And so 
after, um, you know, he was there for a while, but then, you know, moved on for, for good reasons. Uh, um, you know, just was looking for full-time work and able to get that. And then we hired uh, Susan, who was our middle school coordinator, and it was like the perfect fit, right? Having a middle school coordinator and me overseeing high school and, and the rest. Um, and, you know, it takes a little bit of trial and error, but um, organizing your staff and your volunteers is important. It's not just about getting bodies, uh, you know, uh, uh, in the church uh, ministries or your church staff, but it's about you using them correctly. Um, and I'm sure that's something that you guys do a little bit with Parish Success Group, right? Yeah, absolutely. When we come in and, and do coaching with a, a, um, a parish, one of the things that we, we look at is what does the organizational structure look like, right? So who reports to who, how many people are on staff, you know, what are the job descriptions? We do a deep dive into job descriptions to, to see what they're actually doing and make sure they're accurate and whatnot. And so, and I think what's, what's interesting, Chris, is that what I find a lot is that organizational structures end up being very flat, what do I mean by that? What I mean is you have the pastor and like everybody reports to the pastor, like that's it. And so, so that's what I mean by a flat organization, you know? And so, um, and with some parishes, you know, who have bigger staff that, that has, that can be an obstacle, you know, that can be an obstacle to growth. That could be an obstacle to our mission as church because it's, it becomes overwhelming. There's a lot of, of, of managing manager consultants out there and leadership consultants out there in the corporate world who would say, you know, the, certainly you shouldn't have ever have more than 10 direct reports if you're a supervisor, you know, but they'll go as far as say it's like ideally you, you probably are closer to, to four or five, you know, um, just given how much work leadership and management takes. What's your experience with that, Chris? What's your sense of your experience with, with staff and structure and, and how many people people can actually manage? Oh, man. Yeah, no, I, I can totally um, relate to that. In fact, uh, back in, in the day at Nativity, um, we, we went through that. It was, uh, and and it, was, it was something that kind of sprung on us, right? When I first started working there, I was one of um, you know, four pastoral staff and, um, or, or full-time staff outside of like, uh, any um, administrative or maintenance, right? And, you know, to meet with uh, Father White um, on a weekly basis or however often we met wasn't a problem, right? Because, you know, it's five people. And, and, and I agree with that because you think about, like, how much attention you can have for that amount of people. And then, you know, we were blessed with our giving and we were able to hire more and more staff. And, and at one point, it was like tw there was 12 of us um, that would sit at a table um, and we'd have a Tuesday staff meeting and it would be like a lunch meeting. And it would be a meeting that would probably go on um, for about three to four hours uh, just because we had so much to cover and everyone had to cover everything and everyone hated it. And we tried food. We tried doing fun little games at the beginning of it. You know, it was basically um, trying to, uh, you know, do something with a, a broken system that just needed to be addressed. And, and so finally, um, you know, we brought in an outside consultant from the parish, uh, someone who uh, did, you know, organizational um, restructuring. And he helped us um, come up with a leadership team, break up into departments, um, create um, a little bit of a hierarchical structure. Um, but then also a thing with collaborative teams that um, allowed us to, you know, everyone had significance on staff. It wasn't like, here are the minions, here are the leaders, and, you know, like, um, and things along those lines. And it was painful at first because I think 
you know, one of the things that I remember Father White being concerned about was, you know, hurting people's feelings because now they weren't at the table. And uh, the way he responded to that, but was saying like, hey, I'm going to have an open door policy. And his office door was always open. Um, but like, um, he's like, I need to meet with certain people. And there's and he, he said there are different reasons of why certain people are going to sit at this table. It's not to say that anyone's more valuable as a person. It's just this is what I need, you know, from these people and, and from those people. And um, it wasn't a perfect structure, but it was a very good structure. And I think a lot of the success at Nativity had to do with the fact that we organized um, the way that we functioned as a staff. Um, and we got a lot of help from outside consultants. I mean, eventually we were blessed with Patrick Lentrioni coming in and, and you know, uh, doing a little bit of a, a structure there. And then here at um, my current parish, uh, when I jumped in, it was a flat structure again. Um, but we've just recently restructured a little bit. And again, it's a little bit of these growing pains. Um, so I think like anyone who um, is in a point where they have a flat structure, um, and, and I would even say with pastors, think about this too. Like you might only have a staff of three or four people, but you also have parish council, you have finance council, you have a lot of people. So even if you only have three or four people on staff, it's important to recognize that there's a lot of people still reporting to you. Um, and, and if you are, feeling pain in what you are doing now, it's going to be a lot worse than the change that you have to make. Uh, so don't be afraid of the change or the pain that comes with that change. But I think uh, best move that any organization, including a church can make is going from a flat reporting structure to uh, a little bit more of a hierarchical. I, yeah. I don't know. Is that the right term, John? Hierarchical yeah, no, it, yeah. So it is. It's funny in this day and age how we are, are, are we're kind of anti the word hierarchical, uh, you know, and, and we like you know, our, our democratic way of thinking and doing things. Right. And so, so the flat structure, this is, this is part of the problem. So let's kind of outline the problem here a little bit more. The flat structure creates more of that democratic or perceived democratic, you know, process. And I say perceived, you know, because it's not really a democratic process because in the end, the pastor still has a say over everything and the pastor can choose to make whatever decisions that they want. Now, obviously a good leader is going to take into account what everybody has to say. But one of the reasons we love the idea of a flat structure is this idea of where everybody's got access to the leader, everybody has their say heard, and then the leader can make the, the decisions. Fine, good, that's not a bad thing, except when you start to grow and you start to manage all these things, well then it becomes really impractical. So what ends up happening then is that, you know, you've got this great democratic process in place because everybody has the year of the pastor, but now he is overwhelmed by too much information, you know, and he's trying to manage too many people that actually what ends up happening is it ends up being paralyzing. To the point that, and I've seen this many times, where then decisions that have to be made aren't made at all. Mm. So then you have a whole other layer of frustration because then you've got all the staff and volunteers and the councils are like, well, we say we should be doing this. But because the pastor, and this could be any supervisor, quite honestly, not just a pastor, but we're looking at church structure. The pastor is so overwhelmed by information, it's information overload, and just is not able to make good, effective decisions in the, in the process. Because one person is saying this, another person is saying this, another person is saying this, and, and then and everything comes down to them. The buck stops with them, which is true, and that will always be true. The buck should stop with the pastors. But 
I think it's misleading that that's the best process, that this flat structure, because it's collaborative, because it's democratic. Look, we are a hierarchical organization as church. I mean, that's who we are. <laughs> like, right, right. you know, there's no going around it. But, but you look at all effective corporations, they're the mm. same way. I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's the thing that to realize is that what makes organizations efficient is that structure. Uh, and, and yeah, there's been some books out there that say, oh, these flat structures can be good and whatnot. I think there's some merit to it, but long-term health of the organization doesn't work. So, so what happens is the leader can't manage all that information, you know, and they, they, don't, they can't manage the staff. They don't have time to meet one-on-one -on -one with staff, Chris, right, which is another part of this. Um, and, and to your point earlier, and we, we often hear this, is that some pastors, this is not to pick on priests at all, but some pastors really aren't good at managing and leading in the first place because I know mm -hmm. a lot of guys who said, I'd rather just do the sacramental stuff of the church and not worry about the administration stuff, which by the way, I totally get. So be okay saying that, you know, right, right. but you know, the reality is a lot of guys are thrown into being pastors and maybe they want to be, maybe they don't, you know, that's not for us to decide, but there's some, some good there. Um, and that would be true for lay people too. That's not just priests. You know? Yeah, no, there's, there's definitely some guilt there. And, um, you know, it's interesting because two things came to mind while you were talking. One is, um, yeah, this isn't just a pastor thing, but, you know, think about like even DREs or youth ministers, right? If I'm a DRE, how many catechists do I have reporting to me? Like how many catechists am I overseeing or, or, or small group leaders as a youth minister? And it's like, once you get beyond five, <clears throat> and I'm sure there are youth ministers out there like, wait, I want five volunteers, <laughs> you, you know, but like, if you're a, a DRE and you've got, you know, more than like five or 10 catechists, that's going to get complicated to coordinate all those people. I mean, it's going to be easy to email them and say, hey, here's the lesson. But like to actually manage and coach and help them fulfill their capacity. So this isn't just a, a, a conversation about, you know, priests and, and pastors um, and administrators, but also um, for those of you who lead a ministry of people, um, it's definitely important there. Uh, you know, this, the second thing, too, is when, um, you know, people have that, that guilt or that reluctance to move forward. Um, you know, another thing that I, I tell them is that um, the relief that comes with making that change is huge. And if you're also, you know, going back to the comment you made about priests saying like, hey, I'd rather, uh, you know, be pastoral and do the sacraments. And I, I hear youth ministers saying, I just rather hang out with kids and everything like that. If you want to be pastoral, if you want to hang out with the teenagers or the kids, build an administrative structure, an operational structure, and that will give you the capacity to do that more. Because I can't tell you how much more time I have now that I've put those places in my youth ministry where I can spend time with my volunteers or spend time with the kids because I have other people who are helping me with the content and the curriculum, who are helping me with, you know, ordering food or things along those lines for the youth ministry program. So get your or, uh, operational structure together so that you can do the things that you want to do more, which is be pastoral and, and uh, hang out with the population that you've been called to shepherd. Yeah, I agree. So let's look at what the solutions are to this, yeah. this flat structure. Uh, and, and, and I'm always very clear that a change in structure is really about helping the pastor in his canonical role as pastor to be more effective as the shepherd, right? That's what it always comes down to is how do we help the shepherd be more effective? 
Uh, and so when, when we look at any changes, that's the mindset that we always need to have. It's not about, you know, who reports to who and, you know, who has power and who doesn't and whose voice, blah, blah, blah. It's really about let's be more effective here. And so I'm actually working with a parish right now that, that we're doing this very same thing. You know, where it's a very flat organizational structure where basically you had you had an admin side of things with a business manager and then uh, the business manager had the hierarchical structure. So facilities, office manager, all that stuff was under under her and then she reports to the pastor. But all the pastoral ministers, right, the, the, the director of faith mission, the youth minister, the pastoral associate, the liturgy, all those people, the, they, you know, they... Uh, they reported directly to the pastor. Um, and, and the pastor, again, it was this type of thing where he just doesn't have the gifts. And so uh, to, to do that and to do that well, he's a beloved pastor. Everybody loves him dearly. You know, and everywhere across the board, everybody says that. But they didn't get a response from uh, from a staff member they wanted. They would just go to the pastor, mm-hmm. you know, and say, hey, you know, can we do this? And and he's like, sure. Uh, and that got very frustrating for a lot of people. So, so here was the solution, Chris. And this sounds like you guys went through this uh, and nativity as well. But, but we basically said, look, we have a pastoral associate on staff. Their job description is a generalist when it comes to pastoral ministry. And they kind of overseen a lot of things in the parish. And so let's create uh, an organizational structure where basically the pastor, two people report to the pastor. You know? Right. We have the, the way we set up is we have the administrative side on one thing, which was run mm-hmm. by the business manager. And then all the administrative stuff was, was under them. Right. And then we had the pastoral associate. Uh, the pastoral associate, uh, you reported to the pastor, but then all of the individual ministries, the liturgy director, the director of faith formation, the director of the pre-K school that they have on campus, they all reported you know, to him. And, and, mm-hmm. and that what ended up being a really simple but uh, kind of an obvious solution because their structure really made that easy. But again, admin and then pastoral side who both report to the pastor. And then what, what happened is that those three individuals became like this triangle, this trinity, which became our le- the leadership team for the parish. And the leadership team now is the team that makes the decisions and, and manages all that. And, 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 and now the pastor doesn't have to supervise all these individuals, you know, and try to bring all the information. He's got these two incredible staff members and the business manager and pastor associate who bring all that to the table. Mm-hmm. And then the three of them make effective decisions together and help prioritize and plan much more manageable for the pastor uh, and much more effective when it comes to priorities, communication, accountability uh, across the board. And it's a little bumpy moving into it, right? As it always is when you have these changes, but um, this is the way to go. And everybody's really constantly, when you set it up right, everybody gets it. And almost everybody's on board with the change. Yeah. Now, when you say pastoral associate, you don't necessarily mean associate pastor, right? Because like um, a pastoral associate, why don't you describe a little bit of the difference between the the two? Yeah. So a pastoral associate is a a, a lay person, basically. So it's not a priest, not a signed priest. And the pastoral associate uh, is is by definition usually it's a very generalist job description. So they do a lot (laughs) is what it really comes down to. But um, they oftentimes they oversee adult faith formation. I mean, the job description could look like all sorts of things, but it is a lay person that's on staff. So it's not a priest, not assigned to the parish. It's a lay person that's working specifically with that parish. Yeah. Yeah. No. And uh, just wanted to clarify, because I know a lot of people will 
be like, well, we kind of have that. The associate pastor and then the business manager kind of, and not that the associate pastor isn't equipped to do that, but you'd want to, if you have a second priest, you know, you'd want to reserve him to also, you know, help the pastor in his uh, pastoral duties in that regards. And having an associate pastor, uh, or sorry, a pastoral associate is uh, someone who can help on the more administrative set, uh, side of that. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the term that, that I use when, when we talk about associate pastors, it's a parochial vicar is what the church calls them often, you know, is the number two priest right. basically, right? But the number two priest slides yeah. into that leadership structure very well as well. So this is a parish that, that only has one priest, but if you have a second priest, well, then there's four people that are on the leadership team, right? And so uh, the, 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 the second priest is part of that, uh, that team and that structure as well. And in this particular case, you know, this parish has a couple of deacons who don't serve on the, on the leadership team, but, you know, by, uh, by essence of their ordination, you know, they really do connect directly with the pastor. So in some cases, they're kind of quote-unquote direct reports of the pastor as well. Um, given their liturgical role, but uh, they're not officially part of the leadership team because they're not full-time staff. Well, they're, isn't that the, yeah, sorry to jump on you, but like, isn't that like one of the fears that people have though too, is it's kind of like now that um, there's this hierarchical structure that there won't be this accessibility to leadership or, you know, it's, uh, you know, it's not like the pastor is going to like avoid you, like put his hand up to his face when he walks by you in the hall and say like, don't talk to me, talk to your direct report. You know, I mean, that's where it goes into a healthy organization where there is accessibility to people, but in regards to your reporting for your needs or um, decisions, that's where it kind of flows up and, and down the organization mm -hmm. in that regards. Well, yeah. And like you said earlier, uh, this pastor is very relationally. So most people don't really have that concern, you know, right. with him, but uh, it, the open door policy is really important. It's like, you can always still come to me, right. uh, you know, and that's important. That, and a good pastor should be accessible. A good leader should always be accessible with, with that type of thing. But, you know, th th he now has to learn to work within the new structure. And so one of the things I'm training him to say is when somebody comes up to him with a good idea and maybe it's a volunteer, maybe it's a staff member that doesn't report to him. In, you know, instead of saying, that's a great idea, go ahead and do it. He should now say, that's a great idea. Have you brought it up with you know, the leadership team, right? Have you brought it up with these two individuals? Right. You should go talk to them about it, right? And they like that, he likes that. <laughs> yeah, no, no, um, I, I would definitely see that as an advantage to um, be able to pass that off because then it, it you don't have to worry about disappointing people. And what it also says is, hey, we're going to take this um, suggestion seriously and have other people look at it as well. And, and and I think most importantly too is if you say yes and you can't fulfill that because of other things you didn't take into consideration, that's going to hurt your relationship with that person a lot more than down the line. And, and I think that's something where we have to you know, again, encourage not just our staff, but um, our congregation to do, to know that there are many different outlets. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I can tell you as a, as a staff person in a church, um, it's happened here, it's happened at uh, my last parish, but like when someone goes over you to go to the pastor for a decision, like, you know, it, whether the pastor says yes or no, it's kind of like, well, why didn't they come to me? You know, is it because and it causes me to evaluate my own leadership, but when, when it helps is when, I know the pastor says, well, what did Chris say about it? Or did you talk to Chris about it? And, um, and I think that's a, one way that leadership can have the back of their, um, 
of their coworkers. And, and even, you know, if you, again, are like a youth minister or DRE or you're overseeing our CIA and you, you have a team, like try to instill the same kind of leadership principles as well, because when you do that, you create a healthier structure um, across the board in the parish. Um, but I would also, uh, you know, it's funny because as you're talking, like, man, we need to do an episode on saying no. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, so that's something we'll definitely add to the notes there. Um, so John, what are other things that you do, uh, maybe not so much with the pastor, but with the rest of the staff to help them create this organizational structure or to acclimate or adjust to, mm-hmm. to the structure that you're putting in place? Well, yeah, I mean, the big thing, again, this is just part of our process with Parish Success Group is, is we know the parish, by the time we get to a point like this, we know the parish really well. We've interviewed mm-hmm. everybody. We kind of know what the structures are looking at. We know what the strengths and weaknesses of the parish. So that makes a difference. You know, two other things that, that we do with this is, is uh, re- t- have people take a look at their job descriptions. You know, we should be evaluating our job descriptions every year just to tweak it, right? And uh, we could do a podcast on that, what that looks like in mm-hmm. terms of tweaking job descriptions. And so I'm having them relook at their job description right now. But the other thing I talk about is in terms of the power, you know, struggle or like, oh, I don't report to the pastor. People feel that maybe it's a, a demotion because they're not reporting to the pastor or whatnot. You know, one of the things that we have to to name and be very clear is why we're doing this. And so, you know, and I, I when I went through this, I said it's about effective decision making, effective accountability processes, and effective communication, so that we can really prioritize what it is that we want to do. Uh, and that was, you know, I that those words were on repeat for me as I was talking through this process. But that's what it's really about. And and if people have that big picture, most people get it. They're like, yep, totally get it. Now. Let, let's go talk about the reality that, that sometimes happens, which is total human nature. It's like people feeling like, you know, a, a, a demotion or I don't have the power because I don't report to the priest and the people's feelings are hurt. But look, natural, natural feeling, natural reaction. And so we need to, to embrace that that would be a natural feeling and give people time to, to, to take in what it is that's happening. But one of the conversations that, that we had before we, we did this is we talked about ego. Mm. Uh, and, and that's important that we spend some time talking about ego. We talked about ego. And I used Ken Blanchard's description of ego. And he says, E-G-O. Ego can mean one of two things. You could be edging God out or E-G-O, exalting God only. When we start getting uh, sad or mad or frustrated about this change, I think we need to look at our ego. I think we need to take a look at, you know, is this about me or is this about the parish and ultimately the mission? What I find is that the people that fight it the most uh, tend to have a little bit of an ego issue. And, and, and look, we all have an ego issue if we're really honest, right? You know, uh, you know, and, and we edge got out in so many times in our lives, you know, but we have to have the analysis about that. You know, it's like, cause it is it, people, it, people fall into this idea. It's power and, you know, reported to the pastor's power. Well, if that's why we're in ministry, well then we need to rethink that mm-hmm. because that's not why we're here to serve. We're here to serve, right? We're here to be servant leaders. Right? So that's power. And so, so we have a little bit of analysis on that power trip and, and, and folks, you know, it's like, this is not about you. This is not a reflection of you. This is merely about how do we do our mission better? Right. Uh, and we got to move it away from 
personal. It's kind of like, this is about me, the personality or whatnot, and move it to that this is about the organization as a whole mm-hmm. and looking at a greater structure, given the strengths and gifts that we have around the table. That conversation needs to happen before you do any restructure at all. Because yeah. if you don't, if you don't have yeah. that conversation, you set yourself up for failure. Yeah, no, no, no. And, and that's a great point. And I think like, that's also where you have to look at people on your staff and, and say, are they a team player? Like, um, and I'm sure that's stuff that you guys um, come across in the interview process where you're um, just starting to pick out why people are in this position or what they like about the position or what's risking, you know, an ego or pride versus, uh, you know, who's humble and, and everything. And yeah, it, it's hard as someone who's been in ministry for, uh, you know, over 15 years that, I definitely feel times when my ego comes up when I'm not chosen for something, when I'm not a part of uh, the conversation or the decision. And I'm, there's times where I'm like, but I earned it. Like, or, you know, don't they know who I am? You know, things like that. And um, yeah, we got to be careful about that because the only way for uh, an organizational structure to work is for there to be organizational health that goes along with that. And that's something we've talked about before on this podcast. And something that um, I know that we are both huge advocates of and uh, huge fans of. And, and that's something that both um, Marathon and, and, and Pair Success Group uh, definitely help out with. Um, so John, uh, you know, if, if I'm a pastor or I'm an administrator listening to this, um, so John, uh, where can they find you if they want to get set up with Pair Success Group? Yeah, check us out on our website, parishsuccessgroup.com. All of our information is there. Reach out to me. would love to have a conversation. Also, social media, Facebook and Twitter, at John Ronaldo. would love to connect there. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and um, you, might, you might get the blessing of having John as your consultant, but uh, if not, there are plenty of other great men and women who are part of the Parish Success Group, um, and this is a huge plug for them. But uh, yeah, if you want to reach out to John, uh, he, he just shared where you can reach out to him. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, you can go to marathonyouthministry.com um, or on social media at uh, Marathon Youth Ministry. Um, and uh, of course, you can reach out to us through this website, thechurchpodcast.org. And our email is questions at thechurchpodcast.org. And we would love for you to leave us a review, especially a five-star review, to let us know how we're doing and, and what we can improve on and uh, uh, share us with your comments and share us with your friends, uh, you know, uh, because uh, there are so many churches out there um, that we want to help do ministry better so that they can reach more people for Christ. Uh, John, it was a pleasure uh, having this conversation with you. Uh, why don't we close in prayer? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you so much uh, for this time with John to talk about organizational structures and um, just the different ways that we can expand our capacity to uh, reach more people, Lord. Um, But we know that uh, in order to do that all, we need to have trust in you. We need to believe in you and uh, listen to you, Lord. So I pray that uh, as we go into um, this season, uh, Lord, that we are able to open up our hearts and our minds to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, to your wisdom, and to your love. Thank you for loving us first. In your name we pray. Amen. Son, Holy Spirit.